All right, Abiye Okuchaba, thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for reaching out to me. I'm, I'm really excited to chat. That's for sure. Yes. So I had your coach, Sarah Manderscheid, on the podcast several weeks ago, and she's a really interesting person. And I was like digging through her Instagram like I normally do for researching all of these episodes and things like that. And she like, started profiling you because she is your coach. <laughs> yes. I was like, I got to get this guy on the show. This is great. <laughs> this is like this is like my old school way of getting guests. Like I'd find a guest and then I would find all their friends and then I would get a new guest. I'd find all their friends. I'm like going back in time. But I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely. Well, I'm honored that I know Sarah and definitely honored to be on your show. Thanks again. Oh, my, my pleasure. All right. So tell the people where, where you live before we get started. Yeah. So I'm in Denver, Colorado. Yeah. Okay. And where did you grow up? So I grew up in Aurora, Colorado. So not too far from here. I was born in Laramie, Wyoming, but we moved to Denver in the second grade. So this is home for me. Gotcha. So Colorado the whole time. Colorado pretty much the whole time. Yeah. I mean, second grade, but yeah, Denver right. is definitely home for me. Oh, that's great. So you got that high elevation lung stuff going on. Like, I wish oh, I grew yeah. up like, I, I wish I spent my childhood at elevation. You hear all these people like, oh, you know, they grew up at elevation when they were young and now they're they're dominating. I'm like, oh, right. I'm, I, mean, I can't like, figure I'm, out I'm a why. Low lander. Yeah, I can't figure out why our sports teams never win, right? Like, Rockies, Broncos, we should win it just because of the altitude, but. Uh, we only well, have the I mean, come on. You have like the two <laughs> the two time reigning MVP in your city. It's <laughs> pretty uh, good. Uh, that is true. That is true. I mean, <laughs> He's I, definitely you, not you sexy, was, but he gets it done. You had well, yeah. He, <laughs> he doesn't have the sexiest game, right? No. I think he, you know, but maybe maybe it's just a, a misbranding, yeah, right? Like Nikola Jokic. You know, I, we had we had a uh, on my college team. We had a center mm. who played certainly was not as good, but he played. Of similarly not aesthetically pleasing style, and I remember he just tried to rebrand himself. So he just uh-huh. called himself the Big Sexy, and it was like See? I think it worked. You know, it I think it was just All like right. he tried to embrace. <laughs> he tried to embrace. It was like, uh, you know, uh, what, what do they call it? It's um, and now I'm trying to think of it. It's like a psychology, reverse psychology. That's uh-huh. what it is. Yes. Reverse psychology, right? So All he things that be not as though they were. <laughs> Well, not everyone can be as slick as Jamal Murray. We're not going to yes. talk about we're not going to talk about the Denver Nuggets the whole time. Um, but I'm really excited to chat because as I was talking to you before we hopped on the show, you are in a position that the vast majority of the people who are listening to this show have you know found themselves in or are trying to be in, um, and that is someone who gets started running a little bit later, mm-hmm. starts the marathon process, and goes from a 5:30 marathon. And then it gets down to a 4.30 marathon, which is incredibly <laughs> exciting. So often in running media and even on this show, oftentimes I talk to people who are like, hey, I'm just BQ'd or I think I might BQ or these people do amazing things. And that's fantastic. And I, I, I have them on the show for good reason. And they're, they're mm-hmm. great stories. But more runners, the vast majority of runners are people like you and me who are running marathons in the fours or really close to the fours and aren't even sniffing a BQ um, in the short term. And I think it's really exciting to to talk to folks like yourself and and really gauge like where you are in the process and in the love that can come from that. So I'm so excited to chat about that. So let's talk about your running. When when did running start for you? Yeah, so... I was a you know basketball player in high school and, and played at two junior colleges. So, you know, I had to run, but I was chasing after basketball. And so I, when it came to like running, running, I was, wasn't interested at all. So after uh, college, I did CrossFit. And then every time we'd have a workout that involves running, 
I would just skip the workout. Like I didn't want to run one mile, do a hundred pull-ups. That just wasn't me. And so uh, I, I definitely wanted to run, but I wasn't good at it. So I had a friend who was starting to do marathons. And so his goal was to do a marathon every year. And so he asked me if I wanted to do one. This was back in 2016. And so I said, all right, I'll, I'll do a marathon. Just it'll help me with my CrossFit. And so did the marathon, barely trained. I did, we did a few, you know, long runs. And so it was at like the six hour point, like they were putting away the medals when we came in and then they finally, you know, we finished. I remember running and my, my nephew, like, you know, saw me coming up and he came to run with me and he was like, why are you running so slow? And, and I mean, that's how bad it was. But anyhow, so I finished the marathon. And then from there I was, you know, kind of done with running. I said, I'd never do that again. And then fast forward, I actually ruptured my Patel attendant the next year, just playing basketball, just locally. And so had to rebuild after about a year. And so once I got back, I wanted to do something. And so I was riding my bike, doing a little bit of running. And then fast forward to 2020 hit when the pandemic, everything shut down and I bought a Peloton. And so like a lot of people who've, you know, experienced running indoors when there's no one around, you can just, you know, kind of run without thinking about it. I started to get into it and I started to actually, you know, like it actually, um, surprisingly. And I wouldn't do anything outside. It was all just indoors and my friend knew that I was getting into running and he asked me again, Hey, do you want to run a marathon? So yeah. So me and my friend, Benny, I sent him the Colorado marathon cause I saw it online and, and he's, he's a kind of like crazy guy. He just sent me a, a, you know, a text message of a confirmation that he signed up. And so at that point I was like, all right, I have to, <laughs> I have to do it. So I signed up for the Colorado marathon, you know, last, last year. I love that. All right. So let's touch on a lot of this stuff. So much good stuff. So first of all, where'd you play basketball in college? As a former college basketball yes. player, you know I have yes. to start off here. <laughs> yeah, so I played at Colorado Northwestern and Trinidad State. It's at like the very bottom of Colorado. And so, it's, you know, if you ever play junior college, it's a different experience, right? So like, you know, high school, I was great friends with my high school coach. Junior college, they don't care about you. Like they're just trying to get you in and get you out. So totally different experience. Like, you know, one story was when I was at Trinidad State, the coach he would, you know, called names. He was a Hall of Fame coach, but he didn't know any of the players. And so he'd say like, hey, Johnny, get in there. We had no Johnny on the team. So everybody's fighting to be Johnny at that moment. <laughs> and so he was that, that, that kind of guy. It was just a bad experience. So after that, I was like, you know, I'm done with college sports and went to the University of Wyoming and just, you know, finished up my... You know, Returning my to Laramie. Career. Look yeah, at you. So went back to Laramie. So. <laughs> but, yeah, all right. Well, there the you go. Um, all right. So... I love the fact that you're like, I thought I, I would do a marathon because it would help my CrossFit. Does marathoning yeah. actually help CrossFit? I feel like these no. are two complete opposite things. <laughs> not at all. But, but in CrossFit, there's this experience of like, do hard things, do things you're, you know, you're not good at. And so right. that was my, I, I got to get better at running. I figured a marathon would do that. So, <laughs> right. I would think, I would think like more of the basketball, the basketball training or like, you know, the postseason. Not postseason, but like the off-season basketball training is like yeah. much more CrossFit. You know, you do like the 400-meter repeats, the 200-meter repeats and stuff like yeah. that. It's like more aligned. That That is really interesting. Did you find when you were doing CrossFit after college and after, mm -hmm. you know, going through the kind of the college basketball, um, you know, whirlwind that you, that you went through, did yeah. you kind of like having that kind of, you know, the natural competition that comes with CrossFit, you know, you're not competing against other yep. people necessarily, which you can, but just the going against the clock, did that, did that feed into you or did you not like that part? 
I loved it. I love two things. I love the competition of it and just the community aspect. Oh, I think point. that's, you know, kind of transitions to the running side of it, but absolutely the competition of like trying to beat your, your neighbor. But there's also when your neighbor beats you, he comes over and he would cheer you on until you were done. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the, um, the community aspect. I think people who don't yeah. do CrossFit, maybe are not aware of this. They think of more of like, hey, I don't want to do that because of like the Olympic lifts or doing Olympic lifts for time can be really yeah. dangerous. And, you know, actually I talked to your neighbor, Jason Fitzgerald, yeah. also in, uh-huh. in, in Denver, Colorado, uh, about it. this. It's just like CrossFit can be just so tough because you're doing Olympic lifts that professionals who do that don't do it for time. Yeah. But all of a sudden you're doing it for time. It can get tricky uh, right. from a health perspective. Um, but Outside of that, the community aspect seems to be something that's going to be a, a huge allure for a lot of people. Oh, yeah, it was unreal. I mean, I'm still friends with a lot of the, the guys that we would lift with. And so if you go to a gym where it it's trained well, you're fine, right? So even when I ruptured my patella tendon, everybody was like, oh, it had to be CrossFit. You know, like that's just how it is. Right. And so it wasn't at all. It was basketball. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, the community aspect, everybody is cheering on everybody. Uh, they, it's almost, a, a, you know, until the last person finishes, you're not done. You, you know, you can't just finish your workout and then go home. So they just have that culture, which is great. And how important was that for you, just where you want athletics and that social beast to be combined? Yeah, I, I, it was really important to me because it made it effortless and easy. So there's that community aspect of, all right, I know, you know, my 5 a.m. class my five people that I love, they're going to be there waiting for me. If I'm not there, I'm going to get a text message. And so I'm pretty self-motivated, but it helps not wanting to let somebody else down too. Right. So yeah. that was huge. 5 a.m. class. Why are you going oh, to yeah. a 5 a.m. class? Uh, What's a, going on in your life? I am an early, early bird <laughs> for sure. Always? Has that always no, been the I'll, case? Always. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think by, you know, Six o'clock is when I start to start yawning, but early morning, I'm like ready to go. My wife is the complete opposite. She's, you know, the late owl, but for me, I'm always, always up early. Oh, interesting. All right. Cause yeah. I, I was going to ask you with that cause I noticed that you're, you post all these pictures about your morning runs. I'm like, yes. I gotta figure out. Cause some people, some people manufacture it like, Hey, I got kids. <laughs> I got to get up earlier. This run is not happening. Other people yeah. seemingly in your in your in your area are like no 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 it's just how i am uh which is also pretty interesting let's talk about the the dislocated or ruptured patella um that is a yeah. gruesome can be a gruesome injury Crazy. so when i saw you post about that i like shivers went down my spine so <laughs> please don't retell the story but tell me about just what the the process was like in terms of the surgery and the yeah. rehab and how that changed you know what you were doing from an athletic perspective yeah, definitely. So, I mean, yeah, the patella tendon is, is, a, is a rough injury. So, uh, you know, small background on it. It was just, you know, your kneecaps up in your thigh. And so they have to reconstruct everything. And so you're starting over. And so it's it's not like I think with the ACL, or the meniscus, they're getting you moving right away. But patella tendon, you have to be straight legged for I think it's like a month. And so no movement, you're losing muscle. And then from there, now you're trying to gain motion. So you're coming in for PT three times a week, just hoping to be able to get a full turn on a bike. I mean, that's a big moment, even for you know people with ACL, like when you can finally get that full spin on a bike, it's huge. Um, but yeah, it was, it was starting over to build a muscle again. I, I wasn't even sure if I would be able to, to run, you know, let alone riding bikes, but you know, just continue to build muscle. And so now, you know, running marathons. So, so what was harder, the, the building the muscle back or gaining the flexibility or just what, what were the challenges involved in that rehab? Yeah. So 
the muscle was the hardest. And, and even, you know, now I feel like I'm not, and I'll probably never be 100%, but even on the muscle side of it, there's work that I can do on still is it the, Is it the quad that's still the, affected? Yeah, the quad's huge um, because it's it's just, that's that's the power and it just takes a long time to, to get it. And you can't just, you know, sit and do, you know, curls because uh, it's going to mess up your, your kneecap. So there's there's pain that you'll feel even then, but the flexibility was probably the most pain you'll experience just trying to get you back to, you know, having full range of motion. And they have to like, you know, push your, your leg down for you to actually get a full range of motion. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of people come back from, like my good friend had ACL, MCL, meniscus tear on an, on, on one on one injury. So like he he landed and he got a knee to knee blow as he landed, oh, like so yeah. it just jarred it. So I was you know so he was recovering when we were in college. So I was able to to witness all of the the PT and yeah, seeing him try to get the range of motion back was interesting. So when you were trying to get the range of motion back, was it a you know, buildup of scar tissue that was prohibiting it, or was it just relengthening the uh, the tendon? Yeah, so it was it was a little bit of both. Uh, scar tissue wasn't bad, but the relengthening was huge because everything just shrivels up, and so they have to keep stretching it, keep stretching it. You have to do it at home, and then it's it's just it's painful, and you have to just you know grin and bear it, ice it up, and then come in you know two days later and do it again to get the the range of motion. So once you'd recovered enough to where like you're able to live your normal life like all right it's not affecting you like going up and down the stairs or yep. running errands or you know getting in and out of your car right yeah. once you kind of cross that hurdle like okay i can live my life now yep right i can just go about my day that's yep. still a far cry from you know getting back to being your athletic self what were some of the motivations or challenges um to kind of going from again everyday person to back to the athletic person because that again that can be a challenging next step yeah so so when it happened at that point i was engaged I wasn't married at that time and so you know my wife who who knew had to walk down the aisle was like oh perfect timing right so like that was a, one motivation was like all right you're gonna need to walk down the aisle so that was that first step of like let's get off crutches and get me walking and then the other thing was just everybody goes through, you want to look your best in wedding photos. And so uh, I wanted to get back to being able to work out and just, you know, look fit in the, in the wedding photos. So that was definitely a motivation too. And then from there, long-term, you know, I thought about kids. I want to be able to like run around and, and play with my kids, you know, at some point. And so, yeah, getting back to running and jumping was huge for me. Gotcha. So were you thinking like, hey, I want to get back to CrossFit, or had you had you had had basketball sunset at that point, or were you <laughs> thinking about other sports? Yeah, so I think it was it was definitely CrossFit was there because you know the injury didn't happen during CrossFit, it, you know, right. it would have still been going there. So that was in the mix. Basketball, I still wanted to get back to to playing um, and at least shooting around. But yeah, at that point, basketball wasn't like the love. You know, you're kind of you know a basketball player. Your love is there, but it's not it's not the same as when you were in high school and college, right? So, um, so I still like playing, but I just I wanted to be fit. I wanted to move around. I wanted to get back to CrossFit. Running was definitely not in there, but I just wanted movement. All right, before we get into you know you you picking up the Peloton and and doing mm -hmm. the running during COVID and then seeing. Yep basically seeing where that took you a couple of years later. Um, yep. Let's go back to that first marathon experience. You okay. mentioned like they're basically like shutting it down as you're, as you're coming to the finish line. Um, 
what about that experience? Was it positive for you? And and, and yeah. describe that because it sounds like when you when you describe it like that, like hey, like this wasn't great. Like it was it was kind of like it was hard. I like this kid's making fun of me. I'm yeah. like getting there. They're closing down the finish line, and yet here you are. We're we're on a running podcast talking about I, your marathon experiences. So what about that? And what about that day? Do you think laid the foundation for what was to come? Such a good question. Yeah. So like the friend I was telling you about Benny who would run one every year. The reason why he, he does it even to this day now is he's like, if I can go through hell once in my life, you know, once every year, the rest of it is going to be super easy. And so I felt that experience of like, okay, if I can do this, I can do anything. And so while running that marathon, you know, you just think of so many different things in life, you know, you're, you're praying, you just want to get through it. And then when you get done, and probably, you know, a few hours later, whatever your, um, you know, choices after, like for me, I think I had a cheesecake after. I just felt so good. Like I felt like I could do anything after completing that marathon. I didn't want to do it again, though, but I, I felt like I could do anything. <laughs> all right. COVID hits, right? Yeah. So everyone is looking like, all right, I need to get some home workout equipment, right? You see yes. like dumbbells are like flying off the shelves. People are like going to eBay. People are like making weights. Home mm-hmm. Depot. You see all wide variety of things happening the first six months of COVID from a home workout perspective. Um, what about getting a Peloton treadmill? Like, was the allure for you? Yeah. So it was, you know, we just had our, our first kid at the time. And so COVID hit. It was hard to get away. And I wanted to be, you know, the dad who was, was helping out. And so I wasn't really going to a CrossFit gym, wasn't really going to a gym. And so at that point, I think I knew a couple of friends who either had the bike or the treadmill. And so I wanted to try it. So I just pulled the trigger and, and, and purchased it and, and had it in our, our garage. And, and so I was really excited about doing it. And so the thing that really propelled me and why I kept using it was there was a, a competition aspect of it where it was a fun you know competition. So you'd see yourself climbing up the leaderboard. I'm sure a lot of people who I mean, or you listen to this who have a Peloton feel that, but there's definitely this like surge and you just want to keep going. You want to do it the next day. And so I really got excited about it and, I'd, you know, run longer distances even without doing the classes. But the classes for sure is what, you know, started it all. Yeah. Talk to me about the differences between the two. Like, all right, yep. so you have like a maybe like an interval workout or some sort of workout versus like do easy days ever factor in or is it more just like, hey, if I'm using this thing, it's because it's a workout day. Yeah, there wasn't there wasn't a schedule at all. And so if, if I was like, all right, I'm going to do it three times a week, the days that I would log in, I would just do a class. Right. And so the instructors are great. And so just doing the classes, being motivated by other people, giving you high fives during it. And so that that you know, I wasn't looking at heart rate or anything like that. It was just run and run fast and, and have fun. I love that. Now, my friend Allie Feller has had like every Peloton running instructor like on her podcast. So we, this isn't something that I, she has that corner. I give it to her. You take it away, Allie. Um, so I haven't you know talked about this before, but talk to me about just like, what the instructors are like, because it seems like people who do Peloton, mm-hmm. their retention rates ridiculous. Like the people who do it, they stick with it. They really enjoy it. They love it. And it seems like you know, it's not because of the high quality equipment. Obviously it's expensive stuff and hopefully it's high quality, but it's more like the people involved, the atmosphere around it. And just the, I don't even know, enlighten me, enlighten me (laughs) on how like this, you know, treadmill running, which so many people are not the biggest fans of in the world. And by that, I mean me that, that this um, activity can be so alluring and 
for so many people that they just continue on with it. Um, it's just something that I've never experienced. So I need, I need some more info on this. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they have, you know, world renowned instructors. So the instructors are, are great. They're motivating. The live classes are, are what I think really people gravitate to because they can get likes, they can, you know, they're experiencing it uh, live. And so it's just the fun aspect of you actually feel like you're in a class. And so that, the same, you know, when I go back to CrossFit, that's one of the fun things about having an instructor. It's almost like you're paying for this personal trainer, but, you know, you're paying way less than it would be if you had a personal trainer. So, yeah, just they're like the greatest hype man ever inside of the classes. All right, everybody, I want to take a quick break and give a shout out to Lagoon. Oh, my gosh, they are amazing. This year, I'm really trying to take better care of myself, both before and after my runs. And one of the areas that I'm really focusing on is sleep and not just about the time you the time you spend in bed obviously that's important but also making sure you have quality and not just quantity and that's a big thing right we talk about all the time with training quantity and quality same thing with sleep and part of that is your pillow i have the fox pillow that was the one that i got after taking the online quiz which was really interesting to take because you, you figure out like what what exactly do i need what do i need my pillow for how do i sleep what are my preferences and it makes a big difference. And this is a pillow I've had for over a month now. It's coincided with my biggest 30 days of training that I've ever had. And I feel really, really good. And I know a big reason for that is because of how I'm sleeping and how I'm sleeping is affected by my pillow and things are just going so well for me. Waking up from my morning runs has never felt better. I'm refreshed. I'm pain-free in large part thanks to Lagoon Pillow. So go to lagoonsleep.com. That's L-A-G-O-O-N sleep.com forward slash rambling. Take their awesome two-minute sleep quiz to find your match and then use code rambling for 15% off your first purchase today. So you signed up for the Colorado Marathon. Yep. Your friend signs up as well. Yep. Um, what was the training plan? Did you come up with the training plan? Tell me about how you prepared for that race. Yeah. So this one, I wanted it to be. And it, oh, the and also, yeah. how far away from the race did you register? I'm going to include that oh, yeah. in there. So I think it was January. Yeah. So it was like, you know, kind of first of the year type of a thing. You want a goal. And it was in May. For the marathon so i had had enough time and i wanted it to be completely different than the experience i had at my first one where you know we, we barely made the medal and so i was like all right i'm gonna sign up so you know, i was just looking online for plans and i found the uh, hal higdon plan and so i did that and i, was, I think i was like either either intermediate or i was i was a beginner but whatever it was it was just run so it wasn't like parklets or anything like that it was just just run so i did it pretty pretty well i mean i i, I probably missed maybe, you know, 10 days or, or 15 days. But during that time period, I feel like I did the long runs as much as I could. But I did it 95% indoors, right? Because it's Colorado. I don't love the, you know, the cold weather. And so if it was if it was snowing, I was indoors. And so that was my, my training plan. Okay, so was that was that a snowy, a snowy winter? For you guys? Oh, yeah, yeah, big, big time snowy winter. I did. Ha I did do a few like, long runs, but I think 90 to 95% of it, I was on the Peloton just doing the training then. Which, yeah, I always wondered yeah. about that because, you know, obviously I can imagine it being, a, a, you know, you're in Denver, Colorado. Of course, it's going to be snowy, right? But right. at the same time, it's also a, a, a metro area. Mm -hmm. So I always wonder, like, all right, does it cancel out? Because, you know, if you're in more of like a, um, a denser populated area, I would think they would also have like the infrastructure to remove the snow. 
right? Yeah. Like at the same at the same time. So is it one of those things where like you just didn't want to run on like a semi slick condition, or was it just the conditions get like too nasty where most people aren't running outside? Yeah. So I know now that they do a really good job of, of plowing, but at the time it was just I don't I didn't want to. So I don't like being cold. I I just didn't want to be outdoors. I didn't have any of the gear. I didn't know about spikes at the time. Um, oh, you know, all the things that I, I kind of have now, I knew none of those things. So I was just like, right, I'm going to run indoors. Okay. All right. So you did most of the Hal Higdon beginner plan, which is interesting. Yep. Actually, Hal was on the show a couple of years ago and I was like, Hal, I got to give it up. Every, almost everyone who's been on the show has used your plan <laughs> at least once. Oh, <laughs> Sometimes yeah, more than classic. once. <laughs> so he's like, for real? I, I was like, I, I swear to God, I think like 95% of people who come on the show who weren't professional runners have at one point or another used the Hal Higdon plan. Um, well, maybe that's his algorithm, but I mean, he definitely was the first thing that came up. He's got, <laughs> I, I asked him about that. He goes, I don't even do any tech. He's like, it's my, I think it's like his grandson or something like that. Like that's, that's some of it. Um, that's funny. But at this point, so many people have like used it. Who knows yeah. how it comes up? Anyway. Um, all right, so you are you going to the marathon? You, you you're using this plan to help you out. Um, you want it to be a better marathon experience than yeah. your first one. Did you go into the to the day with any any goals or what was what was the plan for race day once you finally got there? Yeah, so I wasn't thinking of a time or anything like that. I really just wanted to finish. So this was the first race after the pel you know patel attendant injury and so i think the furthest i ran was maybe like an 18 miler and so you know you add on 26 to that i was just like i just want to finish and but that so, was like a three yeah. hour and what is it three hour and 13 minute run that's what i saw in your instagram it was like something like that right yeah yeah i think so so i, I may have gotten so it was a long to, it was a long time on feet day yeah oh yeah yeah long time on feet and so i just wanted to like for the marathon and and finish and feel well right so like the first one I was hurting. I just wanted to finish, actually finish the, the actual race. Right. All right. So this is something that I think comes up for a lot of people. I know for mm. me as well is that, you know, when you talk about marathon pace, I feel like that it kind of depends on like where someone's fitness is, right? Mm. Like I th I'm going through it right now. Like I'm about to run my first ultra marathon. And it's like, I hear like, some people like, well, what's your 50 K pace? It's like my 50 K <laughs> pace is finishing. That's my 50 K <laughs> pace. Right. So I feel like there's that, that same moment, like with some marathons, right? Like you just mentioned, like your goal was to finish. So like what's yep. a marathon pace. It's kind of like marathon pace is easy pace. Yeah. Right. Like you're not like at that level to be like differentiating between like easy pace and marathon pace just because like, at, like you mentioned, like you're just trying to like get out there and like, I just want to be vertical for 26 right. miles here. <laughs> so how did you modulate effort as you're going through to make sure that like, again, once you hit mile 20 or whatever, you're still going to be moving forward? Yeah. I, I, I really didn't. <laughs> so like for, for this one, it was Hal Hickton, whatever he said to do for the most part, I was, I was doing it. And so there wasn't really like a marathon pace. I think once I hired a coach and, and learned more about it, that that's when I started to add it in, but it was just, just run, run for fill and, you know, stay upright. That was it. All right. Well, let's talk about the decision to hire a coach, right? So you, yes. you finish that race. It goes well, right? You ran a yep. 530 pace. So faster yeah. than you ran the first one, which is great. Yeah. And then here you are. It seems like you hired a coach pretty quickly thereafter. So talk to me about that decision-making process and what you had in mind when you did that. Yeah. So I knew the first, you know, marathon or second marathon, Colorado marathon was just, I just want to finish. And then after that, I was, you know, I was turning 40 actually um, in December. And so I was like, all right, I want to do another one. Like I felt good. And I thought to myself, I could do better. Right. So it was one of the things that the friend that I signed up with 
I left him, you know, probably with like, you know, three miles left. I was like, I'm feeling good. I'm out of here. And so it just kind of took off. And then I was like, I want to do this. And so I was following coaches. And so I knew I wanted to hire a, a coach. And so I, I was following Sarah from afar. And I just, you know, wanted a coach that was in person one, wanted a coach that was really, really good at like assessing her, her, her athletes. And then she posted one thing about uh, one of my friends, Jason, and she was talking about how after his marathon, his heart rate was so elevated. She could tell after his last uh, run. And I was like, Oh my goodness, I have to, you know, talk to Sarah. And so, yeah, I did an interview with, with Sarah and, you know, kind of the rest was history. She's amazing. That's great. Yeah. And did, what were the, the goals? So you, so you had like, all right, I'm turning 40. I want to yep. get better at this. Um, but I, I feel like there's more there. Like you're a competitive <laughs> guy, right? You you played competitive team sports. You did CrossFit. You're financial advisor for yep. Fidelity. So you're obviously a driven person, right? Yep. You're married to a beautiful woman. You, you've, yep. you've achieved a lot in life, right? You've done a lot of things. I feel like ah, I just want to do better at running. Yeah. I feel like there might be a little bit more there in terms of some of your goals or or what you wanted to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that time that, you know, when I was thinking of hiring a coach, I was like, all right, before 40, I want to, you know, finish a marathon in under, you know, five hours. So it could have been 450. It could have been 459. As long as I had a four in front of it, all right, that's the way to go into 40. And so that was definitely a goal with hiring a coach. I knew I I, I could probably do it, but I, I knew I, I needed a coach to really be able to to get it done. I like that. All right. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and that's not easy, right? I mean, yeah. you're talking like, hey, we're cutting at least 30 minutes off a of marathon time. That's no joke. That's, that's a minute a mile. Right. Yes. So, you know, for people who are trying to do like the math on that, basically it's not perfect, but like, you know, eight, eight minute pace is three thirty. Yep. Nine minute pace is just under nine. Mm-hmm. Right. Ten minute pace is a little under four thirty. Eleven minute pace is a little under a little, you know, kind of comfortably under under five. So because you, you know, so just like the the quick math of it all for people who are trying to figure this out. Right. So you're thinking like, okay, I want to get down to like 11 minute pace or so, um, which for you, I guess, is like kind of twofold. Right. Because obviously you want to get faster. But this part of this, I would think, is just strength perspective. Because just looking at some of your running, like it seemed like you were running fairly comfortably at 11 minute pace before. Whereas like you'll see some people who were, you know, someone who's say trying to BQ. They can't run all their miles at marathon at marathon pace because they're going to burn out. Because the marathon right. pace is so much faster than their easy pace. But talk to me about like where you were as a runner in terms of like what easy pace was and how you gauged it and how that may have changed once you started working with a coach. Yeah. So my, I don't even know if I would even call it easy pace because that was all new once I uh, hired a coach, but it was just running. And so for me, I was probably 11 to 10, you know, sometimes pushing nine for just, just normal runs and so that was like always and so i was actually you know just trying to get faster on my own and so i'd probably push it to eight once in a while and so uh you know i feel definitely you know issues with my knee and and with my foot and then i hire a coach and then you know the first thing sarah does is you know i need to see your strava you know let's see what you've been doing and then we'll go from there and and so you know she's like you're running way too fast (laughs) it's kind of the first first conversation was like let's do i think it was like a heart rate you know, training. So it was like, keep it under 130 or 135 on every run. And so take a step back, just humbling. You know, I think it was like, I had to walk, run in the beginning, 13 minute mile, 12 minute miles, just to keep it under that 130. And it, and it was, you know, the summer as well. So I think the heat probably had something to do with it, but it was, it was definitely slower. That was, that was the easy pace to start with. 
Right. And I, th- I remember seeing her description of it was like, what, you like four weeks of base training, 16 yep. weeks of marathon training? <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. So what was that like when you're like, I got a coach to help me go faster. And the first thing she tells me to go is to go slower. Incredibly frustrating. <laughs> but but I trusted the process. But it, it did feel like, you know, I'm like, I'm turning 40. You know, <laughs> we're getting there. When are right. we going to get there? Like going slow isn't the yes. problem. <laughs> yes. And I, and I don't know if she even laid out, you know, first we're going to do this base training. She, you know, she's really good at just here. Here's what we're doing this week. And so here's what we're doing next week. And it was we're still in heart rate. We're still in a heart rate. <laughs> so, yeah. So it was just build the base, build the base. And then we went into, you know, more of the faster pickups. But, yeah, it was, it was definitely humbling. As you kind of overcame the cognitive dissonance of, like, I want to go faster, but my coach is telling me to go slower. Once you overcame that, did you ever start to feel like the difference of just going easier during the week in terms of how your body was recovering, how you felt on the run, or just what it felt like to kind of accumulate miles in terms of like you know the the added stress week after week or lack thereof yeah definitely i I think it was the injury part of you know going too fast that i always had so i'd always have some sort of pain especially in you know like the the knee that you know had the patella tendon issue so i was the miles were were slowly starting to to creep up every week uh, working with sarah but i i was i was fine and so i didn't run into any injuries as much as I did when I was you know, just trying to push the pace and just trying to get, you know, really fast times when I didn't know any better. <laughs> no, absolutely. All right. Can we talk about the incident that happened in October? So you mentioned yes. before that you originally were like, I don't want to run outside. I'm a morning person, but I don't want to run outside. It's cold. It's dark. Yeah. You know, it's like the conditions aren't great. So I'm going to run on the Peloton. At, certain, at some point, you you start migrating out to the, the cold because yes. you, you got the gear, right? And you're, <laughs> you're, you're ready to go. Um, and all, all of a sudden, morning, morning runs are outdoor morning yes. runs, right? So, um, you know, a lot of people have been in those situations where like, hey, that means like you got the headlamps on or you have to run where the streetlights are and all of that because it can be a little, a little sketchy. And also, you just want to avoid injury. But. Talk to me about um, an incident that happened in October, and we can yeah. have some follow-up questions after that. Absolutely, yeah. So when I hired Sarah, I knew in my mind I want to run outside. You know, um, I, I did so much inside. I was like, it, it didn't it didn't trans- translate well to the marathon, and I knew I needed to do more outside. So that was the goal. And then the other part of it was, you know, when I told my wife, "Hey, I'm doing another marathon in the same year." It was like, all right, how do we make sure this doesn't get in the way of, you know, being a good husband, uh, being a good dad? And so it was, all right, I'm just going to do it early in the morning. I like being, you know, out in the morning. And so I would just do early morning runs. And so in, in Denver, you know, kind of the area that I live in, it's it's a pretty affluent area, I would say. And so it's it's not, it's definitely not the hood, right? And so there's a, there's areas that I would just run around in a park all the time. And so it would be... 4 a.m., 5 a.m., you know, early, just really early morning runs. And so one morning, um, it was just easy run. And so I'm running and then, and, and I'm always just aware. And it was right after the uh, Eliza Fletcher, uh, you know, incident happened. And so, you know, I was maybe a little more aware. And so I'm, I'm running and I look over uh, to my left and I see this guy like running towards me. 
And so I thought to myself, oh, he's running pretty fast. And so I just, you know, pick up my pace a little bit and think, okay. He, well, he, was he like on the street? Was he crossing the road? Was he coming across he, the park? Like what was happening? He was coming across the park, which is oh. which was first unusual is because he was coming across the park, which, you know, at that at 4 a.m. in the morning to be coming across the park, I just thought, oh, that's interesting. So I thought, okay, he's just running. He has Beats by Dre headphones on. He's in an all black outfit. Okay. And he looks, he so looks so like he looks like someone who's out on a run. He looks like a runner. Absolutely. Okay. And so I thought, okay, um, let me just go a little bit past because I picked up my pace a little bit. And so he got behind me. And at, at that point, I, I said, all right, so, you know, he's going to just run past me. It happens all the time right? at the park that I, I run at. I'm not the fastest runner, so people will just, you know, run past me. Um, but he, you know, continues to kind of like run behind me. And he's, and he's picking up the pace as I'm picking up the pace. And so at that point, I'm like, okay, let me get around him. He'll just go past me. And it's a wide street that I'm running on. And so I get over to the far right. He comes with me. And so at that point, I'm like, okay, it, it, it's on, you know, because no one does that. No one crosses with you. Yeah. And so I turn around and you know, I'm, I'm yelling at him, why are you following me? And he says something to the tune of like, you know, sometimes I just get lost around here. And he's really close to me at that point. So we're doing this like cat and mouse, like I go left, he goes right. And, and so finally I just go right. He, he grabs me and I push him off me and I just start, you know, running. And I, I turn around just for a split second to see if he's running after me. And he's just like standing there. And so, you know, I call over to uh, to dispatch and I'm letting him know, hey, there's this guy. He's in the park. You know, he just he just grabbed me. Uh, the lady, you know, does a really good job, stays on the phone with me, gives my I give my description I give the gentleman's description. Uh, it looks nothing like me. And so, uh, you know, she's, I don't know how it works, but she can tell where I am. So she can see where the cops are at who are coming and she can see where I am. And so she's like, they are almost to you. And so she's like, okay, you should see him now. I was like, yep, I see him. Thank you so much for staying on the phone with me. And so I hang up the phone with her and I get there, the, the cops pull out and they're like, you know, you know, put your, put your hands up. You know, somebody said you attacked somebody in the park. And I'm like, oh, no. And so I'm, I'm like, this is not going well. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm the one who called in. And they're like, no, no, no. Somebody just reported that you attacked them. I need your ID and your license. I'm like, I don't have my ID. I'm running. And so I was like, I have to call somebody. And so I, I stopped everything I'm doing. So I call, um, you know, a few friends. They didn't answer. I called my wife. She didn't answer. I called my sister, who always answers. Her husband's a paramedic. So she's always just, and he works graveyard. She's on alert. And so she answers the phone and stays on the phone with me. And so... 10 minutes of back and forth of like, you know, tell me who you are. Okay. Where do you live? You know, are, are you sure? And then finally they, they're like, you know what? I think you're the, I think you're the guy that called it in. You know, I, I think we might've missed it up. And, and so I'm like, you think so we just wasted 10 minutes while you're accusing me of being the attacker. Meanwhile, this guy is either still in the park or taking somebody else out. So, I mean, the, the emotions are, you know, just crazy it's from the adrenaline of, running from the guy to just this relief of like, Oh my goodness, the cops are here to help me to yeah. like being scared. So yeah. it was a tough, tough situation. Can you walk me through why you were calling friends at that point? Like, was it yeah. to like verify who you were or was it yeah. just like to have like a security blanket of having like basically someone hearing what you're saying? Yeah, that's exactly it. So once I started to, you know, we went had this back and forth of like, no, you're the guy. I was like, I have to have somebody on the phone with me. And that, that's kind of just something that I think uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, especially African-American people 
will do if they're in a situation where they just don't feel safe, you know, especially with law enforcement, they'll pick up the phone and call somebody else. This is the first time I've ever had to do that. And so I just, it was the first reaction was like, oh no, this, this could go really, really wrong. You know, there's two officers here. They really think I'm this, the, the person who was attacking people. How do I get out of this? So, yeah. When that was going down, how were you able to, or were you able to, like, manage your emotions? Because they must have been racing at that point with the what if of it all. Yeah. Oh, I definitely went through a ton of emotions. I mean, I was uh, irate. I was afraid. Uh, I felt like there's there's no way I'm getting out of this. And so I, I've seen, the, you know, the, the cases of situations where there's people who aren't doing anything wrong or they're just crossing the street. And so, um, you know, I just felt this is it. This, this is it for me. So, yeah, like, like I said, the emotions of the fear of the guy went completely out the door because I felt like these people who are here to protect and, and to serve me we're now, you know, here to, to take me down. Right. And then in the other side of this is that like, you're like, hey, this person wasn't there just to attack me, right? They could just be out there, you know, attacking exactly. someone else today, tomorrow, the next day. And that's yep. also incredibly frustrating too, right? To even that that's more or less frustrating, but it's like, not only do you have like the internalized frustration, but also like the opportunity cost of like, while you're talking to me, right. this other dude, He's <laughs> still there. Who knows what he's doing? Right. Oh my god. Oh, so, the worst. Again, I, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Um, oh. That obviously was in, an incredibly frustrating, and and um, th- there's no there's no limit to the amount of um, adjectives that can be described to that situation. Mm. Um, with that said, that didn't stop you from running. It didn't stop you from running in the morning. It didn't stop you from running CIM. And here you were at that point, about two months out from race day, maybe six weeks out from race day. Um, So tell me about why that didn't derail you at that point. Because a lot of people have been derailed by far less. Yeah. And and it was hard because it, it did for probably an instant. I, you know, got home, you know, Pride to my wife. I'm, I'm, you know, calling my friend who's in law enforcement. I'm like, this, this, this is not right. Like, and so I felt like, you know, my wife was like, you're not running in the morning anymore. And I'm like, you know, how am I going to do this? And so it, it, it did, you know, I, I definitely paused. And so if it wasn't for, you know, Sarah, like Sarah, the next day actually uh, came up from Boulder early in the morning to run with me. She's like, you're still running in the morning. We're going to figure this out. So she came in the morning, um, you know, just, cried in her arms (laughs) didn't even expect to do that but i was just so overwhelmed by the fact that she would come early in the morning to run with me and so we just talked about it and and so she she put together like a a crew of people who would run in the morning she knew that you know with my work schedule i wouldn't be able to do evenings i definitely wouldn't be able to do midday i needed to be able to do it in the morning and so she was like i'm gonna ask people or you know ask around and, and try to get people to run with you in the morning. So develop a really a safety net for all of us to be able to run. And so, and that, that was, that was tough. And, and, you know, I felt really amazed. I remember writing, writing her and being like, Sarah, you have really fast people on your team. Are you sure this is going to, going to work? And she was like, Oh yeah. Like the people who say yes, if anybody says yes to it, they're going to know your pace and they're going to be there for you uh, just to support you. And so I really didn't think anyone was going to sign up. And I think in less than probably four hours, there was multiple people on every single day. You know, sometimes it was one person. Other times it was, you know, a few people who signed up to run with me in the morning. 
That's exciting. Can I, I want I want to continue on that path because that's that's great stuff, and and, and it really is amazing both for for you and what she did, and just everyone involved. Um, before I do, and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this question. I should have asked it earlier. Yeah. You mentioned one of the people you called the you know later that day after the incident um, was one of your friends who works yeah. in law enforcement. What yeah. was that conversation like? Because obviously, like, he's a friend of yours, so you yeah. have, obviously have the utmost respect for him. Yeah. You probably didn't have the most respect for the people who, you know, falsely accused you of doing something that you didn't do. So yeah. what was that? If you don't mind me asking, you don't, don't oh, have to share absolutely. anything personal, but I, what was that conversation like in just the juxtaposition of those two things? Yeah, so we, we have conversations anytime there's a situation of, you know, maybe a young black man being harassed by the cops or being, you know, murdered. We always have a conversation because he's black and in law enforcement, right? And so, but he's very, very level-headed because he's been in those situations. And so there's certain situations where he's like, that guy was kind of in the wrong, you know? And I'm like, okay, all right, it's good to hear it from you. But we, well, it's just our thing, we'll have that. And so this time to hear it from me telling him, hey man, this is what happened. You know, this is how they treated me. Was this right? Am I in the wrong? And he was like, they absolutely did not do what they were supposed to do. They didn't get you home safely. They told you just to run along as opposed to like, are you going to be okay? Hop in the car. Let's take you home. Let's search the block. You know what he looks like. Did they ask you what he looks like? We went through the whole scenario and they're like, he's like, wow, like this is bad. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. So, and he, he would have told me if, if he felt like they did everything right. Gotcha. All right. Let's talk about these morning runs. Cause you, yep. you, now it's like one of those things where again, Obviously, we would say, hey, we wish this never would have happened to you. And obviously, you wish the same right. thing at the same time, like seeing the smile on your face. You're running with all these people. Obviously, like, it would be great <laughs> if like there was a different reason why these morning runs, morning run groups would have started. Right. But here they are. And so yes. I guess like it doesn't take away the joy from like your morning run today. Right. Like yes. you're, you're with you're with all of these people, I would assume. So. Talk to me about just this community that has now formed around these morning runs and and how that altered your running, not just from the marathon, but also, you know, even now. Yeah. So there there was so much from it. I mean, I think there's just beauty in in what happened. And I love that there's positive that that came out of it because, you know, obviously bad situation. But to see the people day after day who would show up just to run with me. And it wasn't just to run with me. Sometimes it was like Wednesdays, Sarah would have a speed workout. Every day I'd come, I'd be like, hey, all right, you know, what do you guys have to do? One guy's training for Boston, another guy who just ran Boston six times. And so I'm like, you know, you guys have to have a workout, surely. And they're like, no, we're doing whatever you're doing today. And so we do whatever my 5K speed trial was. And so uh, I think I was just floored by the fact that they would go out of their way to just make sure I got through the six weeks and we were able to crush uh, CIM was was the goal. All right, so CIM comes. It's the same weekend as your birthday. You mentioned yes. you're, gonna be, you're you're turning forty, so you're obviously you're forty now. So yep. um, CIM comes. You had this big you know big block sixteen week marathon build. Um, race day comes. The original goal was to break five. Once yep. race day was here, what was the uh, did the goal get altered a little bit, or what were you thinking heading into the race? So I was definitely getting faster, which which helped out. So, you know, Sarah always does like a plan A, plan B of, you know, this is like best case scenario. This is where I think you're going to fall. And so the the target was, you know, that probably 430, good day, everything works out. Uh, you're, you're maybe a 415, right? And so I definitely felt like, all right, let's see how I do. Really good taper, felt good about it. And so... I still in the back of my mind was like, it's a success if I see a four. 
that was that was still in my mind but i knew what i needed to do as far as like paces uh, gels to be able to you know pace it and, and get where i needed to be so did you run by feel or would you do you try to stay aware of what your actual pace was during the race yeah so mi- mixture of both so cim is a a pretty big race so it, it's not like the Colorado marathon at all i've never done a major before um but it was it was pretty special so the even just from the bus rides it was rainy um but there's still this like energy in the air so i say all that to say i definitely ran off of phil in energy and they all well, and the first mile is the most downhill oh mile gosh. of the race oh i was floating <laughs> just just flying so oh man i felt i felt good um you know i had the coming from altitude you know in california the sun came out. That's right. You're it, just swimming in red oh, blood cells because yeah, yeah, you're yeah. high altitude training. <laughs> yeah. So I, so I felt I felt great and it was probably, you know, faster than the overall pace. But I just, I was like, I just, I feel good. And so, you know, I just kind of went with a lot of it. But I still, in the back of my mind, was like, here's where I need to, you know, we had like three different segments of like easy, intermediate, and then, you know, balls to the wall, run to the finish line. I love that. All right. So... Tell me about any challenging moments that happened to you in, in the race. Yeah, so I'd say probably two. The first was just overall the weather. And so if you're an experienced marathon, like the people who were on the bus with me and they were telling me about Boston this year where they ran in all rain, like they were, they were fine. But for me, I'm like, all right, 26 miles, my shoes are going to be damp. And so like I was on the bus way longer than I needed to be. And so when I finally was like, all right, I think the, the rain has stopped. Well, it's warm. Was, it's warm on those buses, yeah, man. I've been I, on the I, CIM oh, bus. Yeah. You want to just hang out there the whole time. <laughs> yes. I wanted to stay there. So <laughs> when I finally was like, all right, I'm going to get out. I'm going to stretch. I'm going to do the strides that I'm supposed to do. I'm going to go to the bathroom. It was like, okay, it's go time. They're going to, you know, you know, sound off the, the bell. It's going to be time to go. And so I, I was in the line for way too long. And then finally did get to go to the bathroom. But then I got in a, a slower corral than I wanted to be in, but you know, I ended up getting in there, but that was just, it, it kind of threw me off a little bit in the beginning, but after that it was smooth sailing. And then I'd say the other challenge was once I got to like mile 21, that's when kind of the wheels, you know, came off at that point was, you know, just from running too fast, ran out of gels. And I felt the feeling of like, okay. And I know there's going to be a second every marathon, but I felt like the Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I still got a long way to go. <laughs> well, mile 21 is pretty late in the game, right? I mean, a lot of people have experienced that feeling way earlier than that. Yeah. So, so mile 21, it hits. And what did that mean for you? Did that mean walking? Did it mean walk yep. running, slowing down? But what? Did, how did it manifest itself for you? And did you were you able to get out of it? Yeah. So totally, it was mostly walk, run. You know, and it, and it was more of just energy. So it wasn't like... You know, I was cramping or anything like that. It was just, man, I just had no energy, which is terrible. So I, I thought of like, oh, man, how am I going to get through this? So anytime I got to, you know, water break, I was I was walking into the, the water station and then trying to run at that point. So it was just anything to kind of get it done from there. Were you, did you get through the bad patch or did it was it kind of a walk run to the finish? It was kind of a walk run to the finish. I mean, there was there was a parts where I was able to just push through and then we had this this bridge that just tore me up <laughs> the the up bridge and so i definitely had to walk up that and then after that it was you know i was able to just like slower at a slower pace keep moving forward right and so i, I think I, I saw the 430 pace group and or no i think it was like an even slower pace group than that but i knew i started before them so i i, I figured i was you know getting 
close to that and I needed to pick it up. So at that point, I definitely was like, all right, you got to go. It's go time. So have you ever seen that bridge when you weren't running? No. It's, it's flat. I'm just <laughs> saying, you, I, I've run that race. I have walked up that bridge. It's flat. It's not. No way. Go on your Strava right now. <laughs> After this, go on your Strava. It Look at that like section. It was straight up. You're gonna, you're gonna. Yes, you're right. You need to scramble. It's like mountain climbing. Um, I'm telling you, if you go in your travel right now, you're gonna, you're gonna look at. It, you're like, wait, where yes. is it? I can't find it. You oh, need to go to the so elevation funny. profile. It's like 12 feet. Yeah, <laughs> but I it's no like it feels like it's monstrous. Yeah, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, rolling hills. Yeah, the whole the whole time I'm seeing that bridge, I'm like, why'd they tell me rolling hills? Oh. That's funny. Yeah, that bridge is that bridge is terrible because I remember being like, this is the bridge everyone talks about, and I was like, but I like had gone over there like on my own, like on like a secret like recon mission wow. earlier in the week. I was like, this is an overpass. It's not really? a bridge. It's an overpass. <laughs> like this is nothing. Oh yeah. But then, but then when I got when I ran when I ran it ran in quotes, I was like, yeah. all right, now I get it. Now that deep in the I race. Oh man, <laughs> feels like a mountain. So tell people how you finished. What was the yeah. time? Yeah, so finished at uh, four hours and 30 minutes. So 30 minutes Ooh. off of what I was thinking was the goal, which is unbelievable. So, yeah. An hour faster than your May marathon. Dropped an hour Crazy. in one year. That is absolutely incredible. What was that finish line feeling like? Amazing. Uh, I mean, I, I just dropped, you know, after it and was just so, one, tired, too excited when I saw the, the time overall. But... It's just an amazing feeling. So, I mean, Sarah did a, a really good job. People who were around me helped making sure I got through uh, training after the incident helped out a ton. But, yeah, it was great. And you're the one who did the work, man. So they <laughs> might have they helped out, but you're the one who did the work. So where does is, does the marathon journey continue? I'm assuming it does. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm hooked. I think it's that, that same feeling that I was telling you about as far as, like, I can do anything after I accomplish it. I think, you know, the goal is to continue to, to run marathons. So next I'll be doing one with my friend, Benny, the, the Denver Colfax Marathon, because uh, he has never broken five hours. And so I want to pace him to a, you know, sub-five-hour marathon. And then my, my goal race will be later in the year, in October, the Chicago Marathon. Oh, exciting. That'll be that will be really exciting. That is for yes. sure. So, do you have um, any other races that you're really excited about doing before Chicago? Or are you like going to be doing like I know some people will do, you know, they'll focus on some shorter races. So they're not just only doing marathons. Maybe work on some speed. And you know, is there are there other plans potentially in the mix? There, there's not at this point. I feel like the the two marathons are the main goal, but in between there, I know I'll probably, you know, do like a half. I always do like the Turkey trial, but they'll, you know, whatever, you know, Sarah feels like will really help with speed and getting me to there. I'm all about it. I think I'm, I'm really focused on the marathon, these long distances, probably just from, you know, being brought up and being like, you know, you're African-American, you have to sprint. And so, you know, I've, I've learned that like, no, 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 we run long distances. And so I love the long distance, you know, and I'm getting better. So I love it. That's great. Good for you. This is really exciting stuff. I'm I'm so thankful that you came on the show today to talk all about this. If someone wants to learn more about you and follow their running journey, where should they go? Yeah. So uh, Instagram is uh, okrunit1. So you can find me there. There you go. Okrunit1. Uh, the links to that will also be in the show notes. I will just say if you search on Instagram, a BA's name, you're not going to find him. 
So, <laughs> just so you know, because I've done it, and I'm like, oh no, no, hold on, I gotta go, I gotta figure this out. So, okay, run it one, um, and then take it from there. Thank yes. you so much for coming on the show. This was great. Thank you, Matt. It's an honor to be on the show. Thanks again.